Welcome to The Practice Podcast, a show created by lawyers to help lawyers in life and business without all the complicated lawyer language. Let's welcome Bast Amron founders and your hosts, Jeff Bast and Brett Amron. Hello, I'm Jeff Bast. I'm Brett Amron, and this is another episode of The Practice Podcast. Today, we're very excited. We have, as you can see, a special guest, Dana Quick who is a of counsel here at our firm, has been with us, I don't know the number of years because there's two terms and we're going to talk about that today. She's extremely valuable. We love having Dana here. We're going to hear a little bit about her background. We're also going to hear about the more important aspect of Dana's life, which is being a mom to three amazing children and how she's able to navigate both being a wonderful mother and an amazing lawyer and how the pandemic has created some opportunities and challenges. And finally, she's going to give some folks out there some organizations that she's a part of and some resources that she's been able to pull from to help with that as well. So welcome, Dana. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. We're happy to have you. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about yourself, a little background, and how you got to be a lawyer. It's interesting. I've wanted to be a lawyer since I was very little. I think I was maybe four or five when I was running around saying I wanted to be a lawyer when I grew up. So this is the fulfillment of a lifelong dream. You're living the dream. (laughs) I am living the dream. I am originally from Ohio. I went to law school there. I came to South Florida right after law school to clerk for the Honorable Laurel Isikoff, who was a bankruptcy judge in Miami. Did that for two years. It was a great experience. I learned so much about bankruptcy and about being a lawyer and about the practice in general. How did you find your way to Miami from Ohio to work for a bankruptcy judge? When I was in law school and I was considering my post-law school options, I did not want to stay in Ohio. I wanted to leave. And I was really interested in clerking for a federal judge, specifically a bankruptcy judge. I had taken a bankruptcy class in law school and I really enjoyed it and thought it would be a good practice area for me. So I researched bankruptcy judges across the country, found a handful that I thought I would really like to work with, and was thrilled when I got a call from Judge Isakoff in Miami, and the rest is history. That wasn't your first contact with Miami, was it, when you came down here to interview? It was not my first contact with Miami. Tell us that I actually came to Miami right after my first year of law school for vacation. I was looking for a beach vacation, wanted to relax, thought, well, let's go to South Beach and did not find it to be the relaxing (laughs) vacation I was looking for. And I thought, well, I guess I can check Miami off of my list of places I want to (laughs) see. I never thought a few years later that I would actually be living in Miami. So you clerked for Judge Isgoff, you said two years, and then after that, off to the private practice? Yes, and then I joined the esteemed firm of Bast Amron shortly after it formed. Uh, I was one of your first three attorneys? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was, yeah. Yeah, there were two others, and then you came along. And that first term, was it three or four years? It was about four and a half years. I was with Bast Amron. And then family obligations took me back to Ohio for a few years. So I was with Best Amron for four and a half years, went to Ohio where I practiced labor and employment law for about four years and got tired of the cold in the winter and gave you guys a call, said, could I come back? And you said, of course you can. Yeah. And so I came right back to the warm weather. 
It's like the Hotel California. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, you can never leave. Never. Not permanently. So I've been back now for, uh, I just had my third anniversary. Well, my second third anniversary with you. So technically seven and a half years with the firm. Yes. Just All not. together. Yeah. So the situation you have currently is a little unique, right? Because your family is still in Ohio. So let's talk about before COVID land in that hit in March of 2020. Tell us a little bit about how you navigated having your family in Ohio and your work obligations down here in Miami. So my children live in Ohio with my ex. And when I was coming back to Bass Dameron, I knew that I would never be able to fully live in Miami because I would never want to completely leave my children. And so at that time, we worked out an arrangement where I could work some of the time in Miami and some of the time in Ohio. So it was a part-time remote. And then, so I did that for a couple of years, two years, flying back and forth every couple of weeks between the two. And then COVID happened and suddenly flying was not really an option anymore. And my position went more remote, full-time remote. And in the course of that time, I met my fiance who didn't live in Florida and didn't live in Ohio and had to make some decisions about what path my life was going to take. And fortunately, when I came to you and said, listen, I know we're all working remote because of COVID, but I want to keep working remote after COVID. You were on board. So far. (laughs) (laughs) We reserve the right to change our minds. And I think that with COVID, I think the world has seen that working remotely can be done. I know I was certainly hesitant and I know Jeff was too, just because we just hadn't experienced it. But I think it can be done at some level. And I think if we can offer it and it can help, great. We've seen that. Before COVID though, obviously you were down here for a couple of weeks at a time. Your children were up in Ohio. What kind of challenges did you have? Obviously keeping up with the pace of litigation and bankruptcy, which both are extremely intense practices and dealing with your kids being so far away. What kind of challenges did you have with keeping both? So it was difficult, especially in the pre-COVID era, because so much of our appearances were in person. Depositions were done in person. Hearings were largely done in person. And so there were some times where in the middle of a week up with my children in Ohio, I had to fly back to handle a hearing or handle a meeting and then fly back again. From my kids' perspective, it was a big adjustment from having mom at home every day, every weekend, to having me there for a week or two at a time and then gone for two or three weeks at a time. Technology has really assisted in keeping us connected. I FaceTime with all three of them every day, sometimes multiple times a day. So that's really helpful to bridge that gap when I can't be there physically. We can at least see each other and talk. And over the course of a couple of years, as my children have gotten older, they see some of the advantages of having mom in a different place sometimes. And they do in their own ways understand what I'm doing and respect the fact that I'm working hard for them. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of ways you were ahead of the curve. The rest of the world caught up to you in some respects. Yeah. I will tell you, there is a big difference though between working remotely pre-pandemic and working remotely during the pandemic. Right. Tell us about that. What are the differences? So... 
pre-pandemic, I would work from the house, but I would send my children away every day to school. And I would have a solid block of six to seven hours where I was alone with my computer working. And I could solidly say, these are the hours that I'm absolutely freely available. During the pandemic, my children are all with me at home every day that I'm there. And my youngest, who is eight, he's eight now, he was seven when the pandemic started, has really struggled with remote learning. All of my kids have to some extent. So I have a desk set up in my room and I have his desk sitting directly next to me. So all day long, (laughs) I'm listening to second grade happening right next to me and all of the chatter that comes out of an eight-year-old boy throughout the day. It has made things like scheduling conference calls or blocking out time for hearings or depositions a little more challenging because there's only so much you can do with three kids alone in a house. Right. But the difference is during the pandemic, everyone was kind of experiencing the same thing at the same time. So people were a little bit more open and understanding of those struggles of the kids running in the background. I think we've all grown accustomed to that now and are comfortable with it. But I think you, in a lot of respects, showed us that a remote work arrangement can function. But getting back to the being a lawyer and a mom or a parent, being a lawyer and a parent, is I think it is a more difficult struggle for lawyers because lawyers tend to be on and we have a very demanding, time-sensitive career. And so things need to be done immediately and they don't wait for a sick child or something like that. What advice do you give to new parents or new lawyers who are considering this or embarking on that journey of being a lawyer and a parent? I would say it's absolutely doable, although a lot of planning is required. And you touched on something just a second ago that I think has been perhaps one of the most amazing benefits of the pandemic. As a lawyer mom and as a woman in law in general, I think that there's some amount of pressure on women, especially to perform as a lawyer as if we have no other obligations. You know, we have no children, we have no parents who may need help or things of that nature. And the pandemic has really broken the seal and given insight into all of our personal lives and what we're dealing with on a daily basis. So I think that in the future, when I have a conflict because of a child obligation for setting a hearing, I won't think twice about making that known. Whereas before that wasn't always the case. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. You're right. A lot of lawyers in particular were reluctant to say, I can't do that because my son's volleyball game or whatever it is. And I think most people, and maybe it is the pandemic that softened that a little bit. Most people have an understanding that our families are part of our lives too. I think it depends on the circumstance and the client. Some clients are going to think, I don't care about your family. I want you to solve my problem. But of course, it's going to take all of us sort of remembering this time to avoid going back to what we had and what we were doing before and old habits, right? Let's learn from what we've been able to achieve during the pandemic and use some of the opportunities, I think, in order to continue the progress going forward in order to allow lawyer moms to flourish, both as a mother and as a lawyer. Yeah, the flexibility that the pandemic has provided has in some ways been invaluable and in some ways has been detrimental, as we just discussed with children being at home all day. I think that 
moms especially have borne the brunt of that. And I see in a lot of the lawyer mom groups that I'm a part of that this has been a significant interruption in maybe not their careers, but their ability to get the work done in a way that perhaps lawyer dads haven't experienced as much. And so I think getting back to your question about advice, I would encourage new parents, especially new lawyer parents, to build a network of people that have been there, done that, or are going through it too. I think that that is really invaluable. I'm a member of a couple of groups, and because of the pandemic, we're mostly just seeing each other online. And to be honest, as a lawyer mom who works in one state and lives in two others, that I don't know that I can make an in-person meeting, even if they were offered at this moment. So connecting with these people online has been a tremendous help to me. And there's a couple of groups that I'm a member of. Some of them are regionally focused. Since I live in Austin, Texas now, I'm a member of a group called Mamas Austin, which in pre-pandemic days, I understood actually met in person and did things that moms and or lawyers might find interesting. But now it's all online. We have a Facebook group and you're just as likely to see a request for somebody who does family law for a referral as you are to see somebody asking, hey, have you tried this food delivery service or help? My nanny is leaving. Can you give me a referral? Things like that that really cross over and show the kinds of struggles that other lawyer moms are having because in addition to having these important jobs, we also have the important job of usually managing the household. Oftentimes, whether a mom has a partner or not, she is managing the things like finding childcare, getting the groceries, figuring out the dinners, things like that. Thank you for that. But other than organizations, give us some hacks that you found are successful when you are juggling your workload, hearings, depositions, and managing the household and your children, whether they're in school or not, right? Because if they're not in school, that's great. You have a block of time, but kids are in the morning. You have them in the afternoon or late afternoon, early evening after school, if they're in school. And so how are you able to manage that and deal with client demands or demands just of the job and the work? So there are a few things that I hold pretty sacrosanct that I will tell a client or tell an employer I'm not available during this time. One of those times is having dinner with my kids. Since I don't spend as much time with them, I don't see them every day. If I'm in Ohio with them, I'm having dinner with them. And absent some true emergency, that is going to happen. And otherwise, it's really just a matter of communicating. For me, it's a matter of communicating with my staff and really paying attention to my calendar as to what I can do and when I'm communicating with clients or scheduling hearings. And I've also had to really take a hard look at the day-to-day tasks of having a home and family and decide, what is it worth to me to have somebody handle X instead of me doing it myself? And I think as lawyers, sometimes we have a little bit more luxury to say, I'm going to pay somebody to do X because it is not worth my time. So planning, scheduling, communication, outsourcing, all key and obviously leaning on others that have been there or that are going through the same things that you're going through. And I know you and I exchange emails. We have very almost opposite schedules, right? So we do. <laughs> you may send me an email at two in the morning with a draft and I will respond to your email at five in the morning. At 30, um, yeah. 
or 5.30 in the morning because I'm getting up. So that's part of it too, right? Like there may be nights when, you know, because you want to spend time with your children or you have to, or whatever that schedule calls for, that you're then shifting those hours in order to get the work done. That's very true. I do tend to be a night owl. Some of those evening hours after my children go to bed and before my brain stops working are my most productive hours when I'm drafting or researching because those are the hours when I truly can sit down and focus. And so sometimes I will purposely put those at the end of my day after hit time, knowing that I'm going to carve out those hours that I just can't get during the day. Right. Yeah. I would say as a parent, my kids are a little older now, but as a parent, that was one of the most important lessons, the adjustments, the ability to be flexible on your time. People have a tendency to think that they have to get work done between the hours of eight and six or whatever it is. But if you need to have dinner or you want to have dinner with your family, you say, okay, I'm going to have to be offline from six to eight, but from eight to 10, I'll make up that time. And so when you get things done is less important. You can schedule your own work. It's kind of the same thing I always experience when I'm going to try to take a vacation. You know, the days leading up to a vacation and the days after and some of the nights during are the worst because you want to line up as much as you can in advance and prepare for it after. And so, for example, you can always tell when Brett's on his way home from vacation, as soon as... (laughs) Brett's at the airport. You can see Rapid him at his inbox. He's you know, responding. You're getting flooded with emails from Brett. He's coming back online, but he's preparing. It's the same reason, like usually on a Sunday night, I'll do a lot of work just because I want to ease my way into Monday morning. I don't want to be inundated with the week. So it's about planning and preparing and being flexible. You mentioned the one organization, Mamas Austin. Are there other organizations or ways that people that may be listening to this who are pulling their hair out or looking for people that they can talk to and lean on, where were you able to find some of these things or some of the resources that we can throw out to people? I think that Facebook has a lot of groups and whatever it is that is your affinity in law or in life, you can find it there. I'm a member of a couple of groups there. Another one is called Miss Esquire which is a Facebook group that started in South Florida and now has grown to be fairly nationwide. And it's not necessarily moms, but it's women lawyers who are members of this group. And we act as a referral network for each other, often across jurisdictional lines or in practice areas where we're unfamiliar. And it not only is a referral network, but also provides some informal mentoring. So if a younger attorney is looking for assistance with a matter or an experienced attorney is taking on something that is slightly outside of their comfort zone, they can look for people who have done something similar and say, can you just walk me through the steps here? Right. But also, I think you mentioned to us previously that it's a support group as well. I mean, sometimes these groups are important because you're learning that you're not alone. You're not going through this. You're not the only one. I think lawyers have a tendency to feel the need to be self-sufficient, but here is an opportunity to know that someone else is going through it. And maybe yeah. Absolutely. I would say, especially the more regional or localized groups that are centered around your city or town are perhaps the best places to provide that. In my more localized groups, I see a lot of talk about not only the law, but the kinds of services that lawyer moms might need. Referrals for nannies, what's the best food delivery services. During COVID, it was a lot of lawyer moms looking for vaccine information for their aging parents 
who aren't as technologically savvy, because this is another role that would fall to the matriarchs of the family is trying to find this information. And here in Austin, just two weeks ago, we had a statewide electrical outage. And so it became a referral source for people who had electricity, offering showers or warm-up zones or things like that to other moms who might be nearby. Let's pile on yet another challenge uh, <laughs> with no power, no water, freezing temperatures. Right. You know, what else? That Facebook group, you said it's Miss Esquire? Is that yes, MS period Esquire. Ms. Esquire. Ms. Esquire. Okay. And then there's the Mamas Austin. You don't know, are there other organizations you think in other cities or you're just familiar with the Mamas Austin right now? I'm familiar with Mamas Austin. I couldn't say whether or not a similar organization would exist in other areas, but I would encourage you to talk to other lawyer moms if you're interested in that thing. There may not be a formal organization. It could just be a chat thread with a bunch of moms right. who are in the same area sharing yeah. information. And okay. people can reach out to you as well, dquick at fastamron.com. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or on LinkedIn. I know Dana's Or on LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Or Facebook. Or on Facebook. Yes. Well, Dana, this has been an awesome conversation. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. And we're so happy that you could be here today. Well, thank you so much for having me. This is fun. For more information on this show and other resources, visit fastamron.com and connect with us on LinkedIn. Facebook, and Instagram at Fast Amron.